Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Ricky O'Donnell, who's editor and writer at SB Nation, covering all things NBA. And Ricky, it's really good to have you back on the show, man. It's been a while. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. So just kind of give us uh, all of the, what's been going on here in the playoffs and give us at least your take on how it's been so far. Has there been any major surprises, anything that uh, you were interested in about that maybe you didn't see coming? Or has it kind of been going the way you thought it would so far this year in the playoffs? Yeah, I think it's been a really fun playoff so far. I think the second round is setting up to, for a very dramatic conclusion. Having both the Mavericks Sun series go from 2-0 to 2-2. Same thing with the Heat and the Sixers. Obviously, Philadelphia getting back Joel Embiid. That gives them a chance to compete in that series and potentially advance. So I think that it's been a, a really fun playoff so far. I think it's definitely turning into a war of attrition with injuries. You look at the Bucks missing Chris Middleton. The Celtics were without Robert Williams last night. The Grizzlies were without John Morant last night. The playoffs are a long, long battle. you got to win 16 games to win the championship, and you got to stay healthy. We've already seen injuries sort of shape the playoff picture. But I think as the playoffs move from round two to the conference finals, we're going to be set up with some great matchups. And I guess my overall takeaway on the playoffs so far, of the eight teams still standing, it really seems like any of them could conceivably go to the NBA finals. That's pretty unusual in the NBA where we consider – the top teams being, you know, almost having an automatic pass to the finals of the championship. It's very wide open this year, and it's a nice change of pace. With it being wide open like that, is there a team that you see that you say they're playing their best ball right now, even though they're locked into a lot of these really competitive series? Well, I would say the two favorites are the Warriors and the Suns. I think if we end up getting that series in the Western Conference Finals, and I think we will, I think that'll probably be the best NBA series since the Warriors and the Rockets back in 2018 when Chris Paul and James Harden were leading Houston. I think that Phoenix and Golden State are both absolutely phenomenal teams. You can start with Phoenix. Went to the finals last year as the number two seed in the West. They've just gotten better across the board this year. Won a league-high 64 games. I think their young players have made improvements. They're much stronger in the backup center spot, which was a real sore area for them last year. They have a great coach in Monty Williams, an all-time point guard in Chris Paul, who can hopefully rediscover his magic after a rough last two games. And then in Golden State, I mean, it's, it's the classic core of Steph, Draymond, and Clay. They're still able to get it done, and the team added a great young talent in Jordan Poole. It's ironic because the Warriors had three lottery picks in the last couple of years to try to, you know, find the next generation of talent there. But Poole is a guy that drafted at number 28 overall, I believe, late in the first round, one of the last picks, and he's really become a star in the making. So uh, I think those are the two best teams in the league right now. But we also got a guy in Milwaukee, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's the best player in the league. So it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Yeah, I want to ask you about that celtics Bucks series because, uh, you know, I, I root for the Celtics, and that, that was an electric game. And the one thing I was thinking about the Celtics, though, even though it's tied at two and you'll take wins no matter how they come, I mean, the Celtics won their first game because they hit 23s. You know, last night they got Al Horford to go for 30 and turn back the hands of time and, and perform really great. I mean, is it going to take that kind of anomaly-type games from the Celtics in order to win two of these next three? Or do you think that as long as they continue to play their great defense like they do – they still have a great chance of closing out shot and moving on to the Eastern Conference Finals just by playing their game. 
Yeah, I mean, you say that, but also Jason Tatum had 10 points on 4-19 shooting in Game 3, so that was an anomaly the other way. I think this is just how the playoffs tend to work. Uh, teams can really game plan for their opponents, seeing them so many times in a row. Uh, it's just a totally different atmosphere from the regular season. So when I look at Boston-Milwaukee, it very much feels like Milwaukee's series against Brooklyn last year, where the winner of that series I think is likely to go to the NBA Finals. To me, Boston has been the better team, 1 through 10 or 1 through 15, however you want to say it. But Milwaukee's got the best player in the series. And I think Giannis uh, is the best player in the world right now. He's playing at the peak of his powers. Last night in a losing effort, 34 points, 18 rebounds, 5 assists. you got to figure that's going to be sort of a baseline for Giannis's level of performance. You know, I think in Game 3 he went for 40-plus or something. So, uh, 42 in Game 3. So, you know, Giannis can really impose his will on this series. It's a great series because both these teams are so big, so disciplined. Obviously, Milwaukee hasn't to do it without Chris Middleton. Arguably, their second-best player is a huge blow for them. I still give Milwaukee a slight edge in the series, but I would not be surprised if Boston wins. Uh, their defense has been phenomenal on the rest of the Bucks, and you know they're making Giannis work. So I would say the winner of this series is, is likely to go to the NBA Finals in the East. I think it's going to be a seven-game series. I give a slight edge to Milwaukee right now just because of Giannis's level of play, but it's going to be a really, really exciting conclusion to this series. What's been the difference with the Celtics this year? They pretty much have the same core group of players, but there seems to be a different level of play. They seem to be playing a lot better this year. Is it as simple as they have a head coach, a different coach in place? I think that's part of it. I think Udoka has been very good. And then I think, you know, on February 1st, I believe they were ninth in the Eastern Conference. So they really turned it on late. The trade deadline acquisition of Derek White from San Antonio, I think was a nice boost for them, even though he struggled in the series. And then just getting Al Horford to find the fountain of youth, getting Robert Williams thematically to play a little bit more off the ball. He's in a defensive role similar to Giannis, where he's able to roam and clean up mistakes. I think that's really good. And then you just look at Boston. They're just gigantic. Having Robert Williams and Al Horford is a big front line. Then you got two big wings with Tatum and Brown. You know that Smart is a big, tough defensive-minded guard. So Boston is just like a rugged team with two great shot makers on the wings. Their front court has been really great. I think Al Horford, you know, playing at this level was just a huge shock and perhaps the biggest reason for their success. Uh and, you know, the the story with them at the beginning of the year was a lack of ball movement, getting Derek White sort of started to address that. So I think Boston's totally legit. Uh, they're going to need to dig deep and find a pretty high level, though, over the rest of this series because Giannis is playing phenomenal, and uh, they're going to need Tatum and Brown and Horford as well to really rise to the occasion. We're speaking with Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation here on the Jones and Sun Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline on Out of Bounds. Uh, Ricky, you know that tonight, obviously, you got two one seeds going at it in their series. You got the Heat and the 76ers, series tied at two. Same with the Suns and Mavericks. That series is tied at two. Between those two series, who do you, who do you think has the better chance as far as being the lower seed to upset the number one seed in these series in their respective conferences? Got to go with the Sixers for that one. I think the return of Embiid is just huge for Philly, obviously. Embiid is the best player in this series. I think what you saw in the last game was James Harden hitting a bunch of step-backs, getting his offense going. So 
to me, Harden's offense feels very dependent on the three-point shot. Well, he's one of the best shooters ever, so that's not necessarily a terrible thing for Philly, but his lack of consistent burst in his first step and finishing around the rim, I think, is a big detriment for the 76ers' chances. They need Harden to stay hot from three. If Harden stays hot from three, I think they win that series. But Milwaukee's going to be ready to go. You know that Milwaukee is arguably – I'm sorry, Miami. Miami's arguably the best coached team in the NBA with Eric Spolstra. Jimmy Butler, very quietly, 40 points on like 13-20 shooting or something in the last game. Butler is playing at a super high level. Kyle Lowry has been killing the Heat in the last two games since returning from injury. He is now out tonight as he tries to rest and recover from his hamstring strain. So – I give the Sixers a better chance to win out of the Sixers in Dallas. But what's crazy is both lower-seeded teams have the best player in the series with Luka and with Embiid. You don't normally see that in the NBA playoffs when you're the underdog. Uh, so I think they both have a puncher's chance. But I got to still ride with the Suns after what we've seen the last two seasons. But I like the way this series is breaking for Philly, and I think they're going to have a good chance to knock off Miami. Did the NBA get it right this year with MVP Nikola Jokic? Because Joel Embiid and Giannis were really close. Uh, so do you think they got it right with Jokic being back-to-back MVP winner? Yeah, I think any of those three guys was deserving to win MVP. There was really no wrong choice between the three of them. I published an MVP ballot at the end of the regular season a few weeks ago at SBNation.com. I had Jokic number one. Uh, I thought Jokic... Just his all-around impact on his team, the fact that they were able to, I think they won 48 games without his second and third, best, without his two best teammates, their second and third best players, is just really phenomenal. And you got to realize the regular season award, uh, Philly and Milwaukee both won three more games only, and they did that, uh, you know, with more complete rosters. Obviously, Philly didn't have Ben Simmons for the majority of the season, but they were better once they got Harden. Uh, it's hard to imagine Milwaukee you know, being that good if they lost both Middleton and Holiday. So I I thought that Jokic was a deserving winner. Uh, people will sort of criticize him for being an advanced stats darling. I'll tell you right now, you do not need advanced stats to tell Nikola Jokic is arguably, you know, a top two or three player in the NBA right now. Uh, his talent jumps off the film when you watch him play. Just his box score numbers are phenomenal. He's such a complete player. So I think Jokic, I'm going to say Jokic is the second best player in the world right now behind Giannis, but I do think he was deserving of the MVP just based on how he was able to lift a pretty limited roster in Denver this season. Ricky, what have you made of, uh, which I know has been a topic of conversation, the the technicals, you've had some suspensions, you've had some ejections, you've had jawing, you've had injuries. Uh, I mean, as far as all of that goes, and we know that uh, there's been some calls made and some calls not made, but what have you just thought of the, the officiating and particularly some of the calls that have been made when it comes to some of those technicals and ejections? Yeah, it's tough. I think the refs definitely have a difficult job. I also think they need to be better. Uh, in all these series, it seems like the refs have sort of overshadowed the play on the floor in a lot of cases. I do think that's partially because the playoffs are just more physical. These teams are all really evenly matched, so they're all trying to one-up each other to find a little bit of an edge. It's understandable, but I think the refs need to do a better job just controlling the game. I hate the long replay reviews. I have no idea why the league can't get an official who's just watching replay reviews on in the arena and just have them make the calls within 20 or 30 seconds instead of these long replay reviews that you know stretch on 10 minutes in some cases. 
So they need to speed the game up. I think the refs need to be a little bit more consistent in terms of the block and foul calls. But they got a hard job, man. I, I don't envy the position they're in trying to, you know, determine what the block, what the charge in a lot of cases uh, in these playoff games where, you know, a split second really makes the difference. So refs need to be better. I think they got a tough gig. And unfortunately, I think it will continue to be a storyline throughout the playoffs. NBA Combine is coming up next week. So how would you rank the following players, Paolo Bancaro, Chet Holmgren, Jabari Park, or Jabari Smith? So how would you rank those three? Who should be the number one overall pick? For sure. Funny you ask that. I did an article today on SBNation.com determining who each team should pick in the lottery if they end up winning the lottery and getting the number one pick. I'll be at the Combine in Chicago next week. To me, the best player in this draft class is Paolo Bancaro. I've thought that since started the draft cycle uh, in leading Duke to the final four. I thought he maintained that number one overall status. I'd put Chet Holmgren, number two, Jabari Smith, number three, and I'll put Jaden Ivey in that mix too, who also deserves top three consideration. Uh, Bancaro is the best prospect to me because he's six foot 10, 250 pounds, and he's a phenomenal ball handler and passer at that size. While he's not the most explosive athlete, I think he's very skilled. He's huge. And if the spot-up three-point shot continues to come around, I think that, you know, he has the best potential in this draft to be a primary offensive option because of his ability to create offense out of a standstill and set his teammates up and set himself up for buckets. So I like Van Caro's all-around game. Uh, you know, certainly Holmgren is the best defensive prospect. Jabari Smith is the best shooter. But I like the creation. I think if you don't have that lead offensive creator, uh, that's the biggest need on your team. And to me, Paolo Bancaro is the best bet in this draft to eventually turn into a primary option. Ricky, a player I, I want to ask you about, because I know that there's a lot of people here in the state of Arkansas, he's not going to be a lottery pick or anything, but uh, Jalen Williams is in going to be attending the NBA Combine. And you know people are kind of waiting to see what he ends up doing, whether keeping at the NBA or coming back to college. But uh, have you had any chance to really break him down as far as the type of player that he is and what do you think of his game? And could he be that player that takes that next step in getting into the NBA? Yeah, I guess first off, I'll say that Jalen Williams' draft decision will probably impact college basketball more than any other player. I guess Drew Timmy on Gonzaga would be up there as well. If Williams ends up coming back to Arkansas, oh man, Arkansas is going to be so loaded next year. I was at the McDonald's All-American game in practices and the Jordan Brand Classic game in practices in Chicago. Got to see Anthony Black, Nick Smith, Jordan Walsh. Arkansas fans are going to have so much fun next year. Uh, college basketball has turned into more of a veteran's game, but they're going to have three freshman studs. And If Jalen Williams comes back, man, that team is going to be so much fun to watch and so tough to beat. In terms of his game, I think I like Jalen Williams more as a pro than the scouts do. Obviously, sort of limited in terms of his athleticism, uh, not a, a phenomenal shooter from three-point range, but he just knows where to be. He's super tough. Obviously, everyone knows about his ability to take charges. The dude's just always in the right spot. So I like Jalen Williams as a center who you can run a little bit of offense through, has a decent little post game, is going to hit the glass hard can give you some rim protection, and we'll just always be in the right spot on defense. I would take him in the late first round this year, I think. But, uh, you know, it's a tough decision for him because if he goes back to Arkansas, I think he's going to be very much in a position to thrive next season. So, tough decision, and I think that uh, both college basketball fans and NBA scouts are going to be hanging on that one, waiting to see what he decides. 
when you go to the NBA Combine, what are you looking for more so, the stars and how they show up, or are you looking for some of those players that are making their draft stock rise? Yeah, the stars don't really show up at the Combine historically. They'll never play. Sometimes they'll measure. So I think the measurements are important. Because even when I write mock drafts and stuff, I always wonder, like, how big are these guys really? Ben Matherin really is tall as Adrian Griffin. It doesn't look like it, uh, just from watching the film. So I think the measurements are really important. Obviously, every inch matters in the NBA. And then I remember last year being at the Combine, watching Bones Highland go off in the scrimmages. He ended up becoming a late first-round pick. He had a really good rookie season for the Denver Nuggets. So I'm always looking at those guys who are, like, fringe first-round picks, second you know, early second round picks, if they can impress in the combine setting, open some eyes. Uh, I think those are the guys with the most to gain typically at the combine.